The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about why Aaron Rodgers had a great weekend with not playing. Brady Mahomes were covering in both and how that helped Aaron Rodgers. Talk about the Milwaukee Bucks uneven weekend. Really good on Friday and really bad on Sunday. And look ahead to the week. We'll also talk about Marquette and their near win against Providence. And while I'm not mad about it, I'm still a little concerned about the next few days for the Golden Eagles. So we'll talk about all of that in today's show. I'm sure we'll cover a little bit of the NFL playoffs as well when we talk talk about Mr. Aaron Rodgers and why this was a great weekend for him. Um, but we'll get into all of that coming up right now. Aaron Rodgers made it to the back burner this weekend. That's not a surprise. Aaron Rodgers, after talking with Pat McAfee, sort of faded off into obscurity. That is not surprising. And I think we will see Rodgers again for the NFL honors, likely over Zoom, because Rodgers is not vaccinated. I believe it's in Los Angeles. And I would assume that Rodgers could not attend. Now, who knows? They have weird rules. We've talked, we talked about that before. But we won't hear much from Aaron Rodgers. Yet, this was a great weekend for him. And you're like, Charlie, how? The, he didn't play any games. He wasn't involved. He wasn't talk, he talked about how is this a great weekend for Aaron Rodgers. Well, two things. Number one, Tom Brady might be retiring. And Patrick Mahomes had a loss that was worse than whatever Rodgers did the week before. So if you look at who's going to be talked about the most this offseason, it will be his State Farm, State Farm counterpart in Patrick Mahomes as Mahomes blew an 18-point lead at home against the Cincinnati Bengals team that nobody really gave a shot to. And the Bengals came back and stunned the Chiefs because Kansas City went to complete mush in the second half. The moment weirdly got too big for Patrick Mahomes, just like the moment got too big for Aaron Rodgers. And so the conversations that were had about Rodgers all will be washed away. And now we'll go to Mahomes. And now we'll talk about, is Mahomes the next Aaron Rodgers? I think you're going to have a lot of those takes. I think that's the funny thing. I actually think it's going to be one and maybe one and the same, but it's still going to be towards Mahomes. Like, is Mahomes the next Aaron Rodgers where he's going to put up crazy stats? He's going to have a very successful career, but is it not going to result in Super Bowls? Because this is now the fourth straight AFC championship game for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have two Super Bowls to show for it and two losses. They've all been at home. They're two and two in those games. And they really should be 3-1. and one. And the fact of the matter is, is the Chiefs are not going to the Super Bowl because they could not put the foot on the throat of Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a team that always looks like they might be dead, but they somehow find a way to come back. They have done it time and again. They did it against the Green Bay Packers back all the way in week five. And when people were starting to realize this Cincinnati team might not be half bad and Cincinnati continues to rise up and figure out ways to win football games. And they did it again against Kansas City. They basically ran their blueprint of the win they had four, four weeks ago. It's absolutely absurd that Cincinnati was able to get this done. I am flummoxed by the entire thing. I had a lot of money on the Chiefs. I had a bad night of gambling, obviously, if I had a lot going with the Chiefs. So I was stunned myself. Like I, I did not see this coming at all. I thought the pass rush 
for Kansas City was going to be too much against Cincinnati. But now I'm starting to think that this pass rush shit doesn't matter. That Joe Burrow just figures it out. And that he has a weird Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady-esque like thing to him where he's just figures it out no matter what. Oh, I have a bad offensive line. Shit doesn't matter. And Joe Burrow has almost seemed destined to win this. Like when I saw the nuns celebrating, uh, I think it was like Sister Mary out in Cincinnati. I was like, how, how am I going to root against nuns? Like I'm sure there are nuns cheering for the, the LA Rams, but how how do you root against nuns? And we'll talk a lot more about the Super Bowl. I want to get back on the Rodgers. But the idea there is that everybody's going to be talking about Mahomes all offseason. It's going to be what happened to Patrick Mahomes? Is Patrick Mahomes not the quarterback that he thought he was? Or is there a chance that Josh Allen or Joe Burrow can overtake Patrick Mahomes in terms of the best young quarterback? There will be conversations about who has the belt. Does it still belong to Mahomes? Is Burrow making a legitimate case that he should be considered the best young quarterback, even though Joe Burrow is a little bit older than a lot of these guys? Does that completely change the mindset about older players, especially at the quarterback position? I mean, there are so many takes that are going to be sprung from this game about Joe Burrow and about Patrick Mahomes, where Aaron Rodgers is just going to kind of fade away. That a lot of the talk about Aaron Rodgers choking is not going to be as significant as what happened to Patrick Mahomes. Fact of the matter is, is you'd rather choke in the divisional round because there are fewer eyeballs. Although there are a lot of people that watch that Packer Niner game, there are fewer fewer eyeballs, and it is not the chance to get to the Super Bowl. If Green Bay had beat San Francisco, but then choked away a lead to the Los Angeles Rams at home in the cold. I, t- I will tell you time and again that will be far, far worse than what Rodgers did last week against San Francisco. You just remember it more. Just like people are remembering Kyle Shanahan yet again blowing a big lead in the in in a premier situation. This is now the third time in either the, the championship round or the Super Bowl where Kyle Shanahan has had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and has lost. Debo Samuel touched the ball one time. Again, it is good to be Aaron Rodgers because all of the negativity will go away. I'm sure Rodgers will hear it again when the season starts, but it will not be the number one storyline. It's going to be Mahomes. I think Shanahan, there is going to be some, how are we going to be able to win with this guy come down the stretch? How is he going to be able to figure out fourth quarters? I think Rodgers would supersede that. And then there's the Tom Brady thing that we haven't even got to that has weirdly became, I wouldn't say a blip, like the happiest guy in the world that we had two really close uh, Sunday games with a ton of things to talk about is Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington, who prematurely broke the Tom Brady story. You all know what happened by now. Tom Brady was said to retire on Saturday. Everybody gave their well wishes. The GOAT, unbelievable run. Everybody spoke their own platitudes. I think there were four or five different Barstool personalities who had to give out their video version of instant reactions. Everybody had their own thing. But then everybody in the Brady camp was like, not so fast. My personal opinion, what I told some friends on some group chats, is that Tom Brady held off the last episode of Man in the Arena. It was supposed to premiere a couple Tuesdays ago, and I have to credit Bill Simmons, who is the guy that sniffed this out, that 
basically Brady has held off from the last man in the arena. Why? I think because he wanted to use that platform to announce his retirement and talk about why he's retiring and sort of that be his press conference. And somehow, someway, Shafter and Darlington got wind of it or somebody told them that, yeah, Brady's planning to retire and they they put it, the story out to lead the conference championship. Like I've said before about Adam Schefter, he is a showman. He is not a journalist. He is a guy who wants to drive the most entertainment value of any person really in the NFL media. And so Schefter coming out on Saturday afternoon and breaking the story and getting the breaking news and everything else was exactly an example of the showman that Schefter basically projects himself to be. And it's so funny that he got it so wrong. But Brady probably will retire. I think that's going to happen. I think everybody says, yes, he's on pace to retire, but it's not necessarily a quote-unquote done deal, which now we can laugh about because Shaka's actually at Marquette, and it wasn't the Shaka of, I forget what year that was, when the done deal fiasco happened. But basically, we are almost there. And that is another win for Aaron Rodgers. Because if Aaron Rodgers looks at the NFC right now, there is no better place to be than the National Football Conference with all the turmoil. There is really nothing left, and Aaron Rodgers can rule the roost for the next two years if he wants to be. I do think Aaron Rodgers needs to work on whatever is bothering him in the postseason and why he kind of gets the yips and gets focused in on one guy and how Aaron Rodgers can just be Aaron Rodgers. We don't need to revisit all of our conversations from last week, which by the way, so many of you listened. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, If you're new to the show, I appreciate you even more. Uh, But yeah, thank you to all the listeners that checked us out last week. Aaron Rodgers, though, needs to figure that out, but he knows he can run the NFC. There's no quarterback that is better than Rodgers for the next few years. I guarantee you if the Los Angeles Rams win in a couple Sundays from now, there will be people talking about a Rams dynasty because Matt Stafford, again, will have the keys to LA for a few years, and he'll be able to sort of Look at the landscape of the NFC and it's not much. And what makes you think the Rams can't keep retooling, can't keep bringing in you know, high profile guys and basically run it back every year and try to establish themselves as Los Angeles' football team. I do think you're going to get a lot more Rams fans in the next couple of weeks who are Laker fans, Dodger fans. And it's still going to be hard for the Rams to break through ahead of the Dodgers or the Lakers, just given all of their storied success and given the diehard nature of both teams in the Los Angeles area. But the Rams are going to try and the Rams are going to go down fighting and we'll see if they're able to make that happen. But yes, it's going to be Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers, and that's really it. And it's crazy to think about it that way, but that's all that's left if Tom Brady leaves. If Tom Brady leaves, those are the two two tier one guys. And then I think your tier two is Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and then tier three. It gets ugly. Like after that, like is Kirk Cousins a tier two guy? Probably not. I would probably put Kirk Cousins at a three. We don't know what Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields are. They're probably still at that three or maybe four. Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts. Like the NFC is really bad. 
and you look at the juxtaposition of the AFC where you have Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, like Herbert, Jackson, we've talked about it, but like it's driving home the point of why Aaron Rodgers wants to say. So I don't think any of us are shocked that Ian Rapport on today's programming said Aaron Rodgers stayed in Green Bay, talked with LaFleur, worked on sort of a plan going forward, and it seems like everybody's on board to keep Aaron Rodgers for one more year. The question is, will Aaron Rodgers restructure his deal in a team-friendly manner to basically make sure Green Bay has enough money to go win a championship? I think he will. I think he will see what Los Angeles has done and say, all right, this is what I want. And we will have a conversation about the Rams versus the Packers when it comes to how they build their organization and what the Packers can learn from and also the unrealistic kind of fantasies that some Packer fans have. Like, I I swear, there are Packer fans who are like those dudes who watch a ton of porn and then they think, like, their wife or their girlfriend's going to fuck them the same way. And it it just isn't possible. Like, you can't just expect that every team is going to be apples to apples. Like, that the Rams model is somehow this model that, that fixes football and that's the new way to do football. Every year is fucking different. And just because the Rams did it this way doesn't mean that next year that a team who basically built through the draft can get to the Super Bowl. Yes, the Rams were very talented, but you have to admit the Rams got lucky. Does LA win in Lambeau? I don't know. Matt Stafford has struggled there. Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, who knows? I mean, the Packers have kind of had their number, but we won't, we'll never get to know, unfortunately, which sucks, which absolutely sucks. And is a bummer, but at the same time, it could be the two top teams in the NFC for the next couple of years if Aaron Rodgers does stay. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's definitely something to watch going forward. And I think there is more than enough here for Aaron Rodgers to stay. Yes, Luke Getze left. Adam Stefanchich is now your offensive coordinator. I think that Stefanchich and Aaron Rodgers will work well together. I think that whoever they go for a quarterback's coach, I'm sure has the Rodgers seal of approval. And if he doesn't, that would be a mistake. So I think that they will make sure that whoever is running the quarterbacks is going to be a Rodgers guy and that everybody is on board and everybody is all in. And it's it's just going to work out in the best way for Rodgers to stay. And I do think that's what's going to happen. But we'll see. We'll know in a month or so what Rodgers decides to do. But I do think by middle of February, we have a new Aaron Rodgers deal with him telling them to go spend on Devontae and then figure out the rest. And that's what I think will happen. And I can't wait for Aaron Rodgers to try to run it back next year and us to believe again in a redemption tour. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks had such a weird weekend. We're not going to do golden kegs because... We had one really good win and we had one really bad loss. And so it's really hard to give out awards for a weekend when one was really good and one was really bad. It's like having an A on your test and then the next test comes back and it's like a D minus. That's basically the bucks for the weekend. I would even say Friday was an A performance by any means, but it still was really impressive of what the big three did. So the question is, are you a glass half full person? Are you glass half empty? Me personally, I'm usually glass half full. I usually try 
to look at the bright side or I usually try to find you know the good in whatever the situation may be. So with the Bucks weekend, I think the good is the fact the big three came out to play against the New York Knicks in that 9 p.m. ESPN game. Jano made so many big J's upset. They had to work a little bit later on a, on a Friday night. Sorry, guys. But the Bucks got it done. I mean, 82 points out of Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Chris Middleton. That's really fucking impressive. Giannis had 38 and 13. Drew had 24, 25, and 10. Uh, Chris added 20. They were playing really good basketball against the Knicks. And you just sort of love to see all of them working in symmetry. All of them seemed to be on the same page, basically at their same skill level, which I don't know if we've seen too often of. And I felt like it was a warning shot to say, all right, we still know how to do this. This still can happen from us. We don't necessarily need a bunch of the other guys and we can put this team on our back. And that's what I saw from Drew, Chris, and Giannis. And I think it's something you'll hopefully see a little bit more of. And the fact that they laid the egg on Sunday is even more disappointing, honestly, after how well the big three played in the game against the Knicks. And I do think that it's a sign of things to come. I, I think in the postseason, that is what you should be coming to expect. I do expect... Milwaukee to at some point turn it on. I don't know when it's going to happen, but trust me, I believe that this team will find a hot streak. They just have to, right? Like, how can you be this medi- I wouldn't say mediocre. That's the wrong word, but like, the Bucks haven't had a long winning streak since for about a month, right? It's been an uneven month for the Bucks. It's been about five hundred. They win a couple. They lose a couple. But they had a six-game win streak right at the start of the new year. It ended in that awful Detroit loss, but the Bucks haven't really found that heat yet again. And so can they can they sort of rise to the top against Cleveland and Chicago, or are they just destined to be a four seed because they have games like the Denver game on Sunday where it didn't really seem like anybody wanted to be there. It seemed like they were just sort of going through the motions and got their asses handed to them. That was an embarrassing loss. The Bucks should be embarrassed. They had a big home crowd. It was Sunday night. Everybody's trying to take their mind off off football because the Packers aren't there. And the Bucks lay an absolute fucking egg. It was a gross performance, really from the start. Uh, Jokic, terrible matchup for Bobby Portis, and that's not surprising. And I wish they would have done a little more with Giannis on Jokic. I think that would have been a little more helpful to see if you could get in his way and disrupt what that glute was doing. I mean, Jokic was incredible in this one, and he just slinging the ball around and finding the open guy. Jokic was definitely helping out his team. And Denver has been playing well. I mean, they caught you could argue they caught Denver at the wrong time, but I don't really want to make excuses for the performance of this Bucks team. I think... They need to sort of start taking every game a little more seriously. As we get closer to the playoffs, every game matters just a little bit more. And the fact that they're in this tight race with Cleveland, with Philadelphia, with Chicago, with Miami, where one hot streak could propel you to the one seed, the Bucks need to find that. They need to find that energy to be like, all right, let's make that push for the one seed. And maybe not having Brooke Lopez and not having a bench is holding this team back. 
The Bucks are getting nothing from their bench. Absolutely dog shit performances. Even against the Knicks, they had, I think seven was the high and it was from George Hill. They just cannot seem to find consistent bench scoring. When they were better at the start of the year, it was because Pat, Pat Connaughton was coming off the bench and giving them 15 to 16 points a night. And there was a legitimate conversation about Pat Connaughton for sixth man of the year. Now, Pat has sort of regressed and he's not playing as well, but he needs to kind of find that stroke again because if the Bucks can't get any bench scoring, they're not going anywhere in the postseason. They just aren't. You need to have a little bit from your bench. You need to have that one guy who can come in and make three threes and completely change the minutes he was in. Like Marcus Howard did that in garbage time, granted. But still, it's like, you look at a guy like Marcus Howard, you look at Jamichael Green, you look at who's the other guys in double figures for the Nuggets bench tonight. I mean, they had two guys who were in double in double figures as well. Like, that's just it's good team basketball. Bones Highland had 13. Bryn Forbes, former Buck, had 14. Like, they, had, they did not just get everything from their starters. They actually had a well-rounded effort. And that's what John Horst needs to be focused on in these next two weeks before the deadline. The deadline is fast approaching. It is February 10th, which is next Thursday, two Thursdays from now. So you, you have two Thursdays to go, or next Thursday, actually. You have next Thursday before the deadline. Like John Horst needs to figure out a way to bolster this Bucks bench because what they're getting out of it is not good. And... I like Wes Matthews. I still think Wes Matthews has a role here, but he's really struggling. You're not seeing much from Dante DiVincenzo. They just have to figure out how to get some more bench support because that's going to hurt them in the long run. You can't always rely on the big three to be able to bring it home. And who knows? Maybe that's why they got their ass beat. They also gave up a ton of threes. Nets Nuggets finished with 23 threes on 43 attempts, very impressive for the Denver Nuggets who were just unbeat. I mean, they were unstoppable. They played really well in this game and the third and fourth quarters just really felt like a white flag for the Bucks. So hopefully when you play the Wizards at home this week, they come out with a better response, especially because the Wizards aren't playing that well. The Wizards, after blowing a 35 point lead to the Clippers, They've been kind of dead in the water. They got their asses handed to them by Memphis on Saturday. So they'll be a little more, well, it's a Tuesday game. I was going to say they'll be a little more well-rested. They play tomorrow. Let's check it out. Let's see if they have one before uh, playing the Bucks on Tuesday. Let's see here. Does not look like Washington is in action tomorrow. They are not. So they will not be in action. But still, the Bucks should have a good stranglehold on that one before heading out west to play Portland on Saturday night, which is another winnable game. So if you can start stacking these winnable games for the Bucks, then maybe, just maybe, you can get out of that four or five seed and move to the three or even the two or even the one. It is not out of the wor- out of this world that the Bucks end up with the one seed when it's all said and done. I realize you might look at me like four heads because they haven't been consistent enough, but it is so jam-packed in the first five there. It is one, basically the Nets are two and a half back from the one seed, and they're right now the five seed. So there is quite the, or not, not quite, 
there is a small gap between being a one versus being a five. So it's definitely in the Bucks realm to get to that one seed. They just need to be more consistent and they need to find more on their bench. And they probably need a little more from Chris Middleton, if we're being honest. I think Chris has continued to kind of be sort of just blah all year. And I'm waiting for him to wake up. And it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Wrapping up today's show with Marquette. Marquette fell to Providence 65-63. to It was a game Marquette should not have lost. Uh, Marquette was... Leading the entire game, if you go to Ken Palm, uh, you'll see that Providence' biggest lead was four to nothing at the start of the game, and somehow Providence pulled off this win. Providence is a gritty, scrappy bunch, very physical. It was a fight between those two teams. I was advocating for Marquette to go for three to not go for not not to not go to overtime because you had a big week with Villanova. Um, They didn't listen to me. Uh, They tried to force overtime, and they just fell a little bit short. Uh, Matola was great against Justin, or Moriah was his name, excuse me. I mispronounced his last name. Was great against Justin Lewis. Was just absolutely dynamic against Justin Lewis defensively, and that really put a wrench into what Marquette wanted to do. Oh, Minaya, sorry. I Two times wrong. Minaya, Justin Minaya, really put a wrench into what they wanted to do offensively. Uh, he is, I guess, your quote-unquote Justin Lewis stopper. I mean, Justin Lewis was 4 for 12 from the field. He was 5 of 6 from the line. He missed the biggest free throw of the game uh, where he could have added a point. Uh, he also had five turnovers, which is uncharacteristic for Justin Justin Lewis. So he definitely was put in a torture chamber by Minaya, who I think guys are only averaging like 26% against him. Uh, So he's been really good and a real bright spot for Providence recently. And it's definitely something Marquette's going to need to figure out if they see this team in the Big East tournament because they're really close to one another. They're not that far apart. Uh, Nate Watson's a really tough guy to deal with being 6'10", 260. Uh, He has a lot of poundage on Kirkuth and also Iguodara, who are both 215. So Watson's just bullying dudes. I mean, he had five offensive rebounds in this game, as well as 17 points. Like, he was tremendous down low, and he also made a lot of his free throws. He's a 50% free throw shooter, and he made three of four today, which is really important, and what you need to do to win games. And Providence is not a good free throw shooting team. And they were 11-16, which I know percentage-wise doesn't look good, but it, they, they did all right. And they hung in there and hit free throws mostly when it mattered. Uh, they had, I think, that one that went astray when Kolick basically drove himself to the corner. No one was there. I think Greg Elliott was supposed to be curling off for a three, and he dove in instead. So it, it was just there was just a lot of that, right, where there were some mental errors. Kirkuth had a lane violation. That came back to bite Marquette in the ass because it was a one-on-one. Watson missed the free, th- missed the front end, and Kerr went in early. And if he doesn't go in early there, Marquette gets the ball back, and Providence doesn't have 65 points. But I'm not going to be too mad about Marquette. I'm really not. I, I'm kind of just nitpicking here to nitpick because it's your second road game on a two-game road trip. You were caught up in a blizzard. I could understand just not wanting to be there and wanting to just get home to the city of Milwaukee because you've been basically out of town since last Tuesday. But 
they they were in the fight the entire game, and even though offensively they were so bad, they found a way to create offense using defense, kind of the shock of smart way, uh, honestly, and that just gives you a lot of hope. Now I know the next two games could really put Marquette in a bad spot, not necessarily in the as the tournament, like they're in, right? But you gotta go Villanova, Connecticut back to back. Do get a week off basically before you play Connecticut. But yeah, that Villanova game on Wednesday is going to be a fight. Villanova is going to want to send a message, and we'll see how the how Marquette responds. Like if Marquette responds in a beautiful way, and they basically you know keep it within a, a ten point deficit, shall we say, or win outright, that would be fantastic, and that would basically wash away whatever you're worried about with Providence. But yes. It's very possible Marquette could find themselves in the middle of the pack in the Big East after these next two games. But at the same time, I don't think that's anything for us to worry about. I don't think that's an immediate red flag. It's like, oh, Marquette's going back in the bubble. No, they're they're well off the bubble. It's just a question of can they kind of keep it together before their easy stretch and then not have any stub toe incidents against the easier teams that they play after they get done with the Villanova-Connecticut gauntlet. So I'm not worried at all. It's more just frustrating they lose this one given the next two games. If they lost this one and then they're playing Butler and Georgetown, I'd be like, all right, whatever. You know, you're going to win these next two. So it's kind of a wash anyways. But now you got to play an angry Villanova team and then a Connecticut team that is just way too big for Marquette. I don't know how Marquette's going to fix the size issues of UConn because it's going to be a real problem when those two get together uh, in a week, which we'll obviously talk a little bit more about when we get closer to it. But yeah, Marquette, I'm not, I'm not fretting about it. Um, I just hopefully we'll get some better play from all the guys, and that this was a little bit of a wake up call for them, and that they they learn how to play physical from it and can kind of just take all those learnings into the game against Villanova. I mentioned this on the um, on the review today about the crowd, which I thought was great. I thought the Dunkin' Donuts crowd for basically being a Blizzard-like crowd was, was awesome. They were very, very loud. Uh, they were fired up after every big basket, you know, kids going everywhere. Just attacking, <laughs> like they just basically attacking Marquette and you know trying to disrupt. You need that for the Marquette student section against Villanova. I I heard some old guys behind us when we went to Marquette Xavier who were bitching about the student section. Like, They're sitting on their hands. They don't know any better. And I, first of all, I was like, well. That's not entirely true. They're they're basically just like there's not much happening in this game. It it was not one of those games where there was a ton of dunks and there was this like huge momentum. Like the fans getting on their feet for a random you know under four play is not necessarily the type of environment you need all the time. But when you're playing a team like Villanova, you do need to have that energy all game long. So I really do hope that the fans show out for this one. I hope that it's loud, uh, and I definitely hope for Marquette win. So we'll see if they can get it done against Nova yet again on Wednesday. Uh, so that should be a good one. There's a lot of good college basketball this week. we got Duke Carolina, the return of Chris Beard to Lubbock. That should be excellent. Um, Badgers also won today, by the way. I know some of you ask about where's Badger review. I shout out J-Boy. 
yeah, I'm not going to do Badger reviews. I'm just not a fan, so I can't can't fake it. Can't just fake authenticity. I'm not going to not going to do that. So yeah, uh, but yes, they had a nice win against Minnesota. I don't know who the Badgers play this week. Let's take a look and see what they have on their docket, if you will. Badgers have a big one on Wednesday as well. They go to Illinois. Should be a hell of a matchup there. And then they're home against Penn State on Saturday, which is all right. Little sandwich spot, though, with the Penn State game because they go Illinois on the road, Penn State at home, and then they're back out on the road against Michigan State. That is difficult. So we'll see see what happens there. Uh, could be some trial and tribulations for the, the Wisconsin Badgers as well. But that'll do it for today's show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the Monday pod. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Daily Tap. We'll see what news comes across the wire. Um, and then because the Bucks are playing Tuesday, we'll probably do Tapping the Keg Wednesday night. Mitch and I in the building with no guests this week talking about who knows what. A lot of Bucks likely, a lot of Packers, and maybe convince Mitch to do some college sports. Oh, we didn't do any Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams update. No one really knows. Uh, Some said he told Wisconsin that he's not going to play there. Um, I think that he's concerned about the lack of money he might make, whether it be at LSU or USC, which, duh, of course, he's going to make more money at those places. Uh, But we'll talk about that when we get a clearer answer. I, I was looking for the rumor and the guy they tweeted, and I couldn't find it, so I was like, well... Is this actually a rumor or is it just like a someone told somebody else and that kind of spun out of control? Probably what Darlington and Schefter are saying to ESPN. It's like, well, we told one person about the big Brady story and then we told another and and then it just started getting crazy. And we're like, we gotta we gotta write this up. And that's that's what happened. I don't know. We'll see. Crazy world we live in. Alright, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.